Back at it again, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Welcome to Texture. I just get great joy out of that song. Gets me pumped. That's why it's my intro music. And I listen to the intro music live as we're coming in to get... Woo! Get revved up like a fighter. Stepping into the cage, man. MMA. That's... If you've ever seen my body, you'd say, there's an MMA guy. Hey, welcome to Texture. And... We've got a guest today, my friend Caleb Davis, but pause on that, scoot that aside to your to-do pile. That will come later because I have a few things to talk to you about first. But thank you for being here. First of all, no, we're not just going to be rehashing the same guests from the show that shall not be named that I was once a part of, but Caleb is someone who I admire a lot and who I think is a unique and interesting person and a very talented artist. And listen, if I hadn't grown up with him in Albuquerque, and if he wasn't a friend, and I still knew about his work outside of knowing him, I would genuinely love his work. That's, um, that's a simple way to say it, but it's a high compliment. So I mean it. And so we'll get to that later, shortly. And listen, here, here's, here's what I'm doing with this. I want to talk to you about a book called Infinite Jest. Now just hold on a minute. Just hold your, your doggone horses. Be- listen, I'm just going to say it. This last, uh, the, the past few months, I finished the book Infinite Jest. If you're not familiar with Infinite Jest, it came out in 1996. It was written by an author named David Foster Wallace. It's known as one of the maybe more difficult pieces of English literature in the last hundred years or so. It'd be kind of up there with Ulysses by James Joyce. Um, And the thing is, is that it's not that difficult to follow, but it is just very long. It's 1,200 pages, essentially, with... Um, a whole lot of footnotes and really tiny print. So anyway, it, it was a personal uh, goal, a life goal, sort of like a, a challenge for me to prove to myself that I could read this. And just, I mean, not, not just drudging through it like I hated every minute of it. I actually loved it for the most part. Um, but listen, people have, people who know this book have sort of their own whole narrative around it because usually they haven't read it and they think it's pretentious, which it it a little bit is, but it's also good. Okay. Like it, it holds up to its own, uh, boisterous voiceterous. It's a real good book. Let me tell you why I want to talk about it, but I, I just don't, I don't want people putting the brakes on just cause I'm talking about infinite jest. Like, what is this? Are we already, are, are we only a couple episodes in and we're already getting Mr. Hipster town? What is this? I didn't sign up for this Josh and texture. You're already bringing out the fancy ass literature. Come on. I don't read those books, Josh. Come on, what are you doing to me? This isn't what I came here for. 
I, all I read is Hunger Games, man. All I read is the Harry Potter series over and over. I don't read the, any of this highfalutin bullshit. If you thought any of that, fear not, because I think you're going to glean from the following. So let me set this up a little bit. I'm going to read, <laughs> I'm going to read you a lengthy passage that will be of value to you from the novel known as Infinite Jest. Here's the setup briefly. It takes place on a tennis academy in the 90s in Boston. And there is a guru who lives on campus who sort of mentors the kids. If you've read the book, you know who I'm talking about. His name is Lyle. And this is a section from Infinite Jest, almost 400 pages in to a 1,100-page book. And this knocked my socks off. And I hope that your socks will also be removed post-haste. Here we go. It's long. Just stay with me here. Okay, this is Lyle speaking first, and he's talking with a student named Chu, C-H-U. You burn to have your photograph in a magazine. I'm afraid so. Why again exactly now? I guess to be felt about as I feel about those players with their pictures in magazines. Why? Why? I guess to give my life some sort of meaning, Lyle. And how would this do this again? Lyle, I don't know. I do not know. It just does. Would. Why else would I burn like this? Clip secret pictures. Not take risks. Not sleep or pee. You feel these men with their photographs in magazines care deeply about having their photographs in magazines. Derive immense meaning. I do. They must. I would. Else why would I burn like this to feel as they feel? The meaning they feel, you mean, from the fame. Lyle, don't they? Lyle sucks his cheeks. It's not like he's condescending or stringing you along. He's thinking as hard as you. It's like he's you in the top of a clean pond. It's part of the attention. One side of his cheeks almost caves in, thinking. Lamont, perhaps they did at first. The first photograph, the first magazine, the gratified surge, the seeing themselves as others see them, the hagiography of image, perhaps. Perhaps the first time, enjoyment. After that, do you trust me? Trust me, they do not feel what you burn for. After the first surge, they care only that their photographs seem awkward or unflattering or untrue, or that their privacy, this thing you burn to escape, what they call their privacy is being violated. Something changes. After the first photograph has been in a magazine, the famous men do not enjoy their photographs in magazines so much as they fear that their photographs will cease to appear in magazines. They're trapped, just as you are. Is this supposed to be good news? This is awful news. Lamont, are you willing to listen to a remark about what is true? Okie dokie. The truth will set you free, but not until it is finished with you. Maybe I ought to be getting back. Lamont, the world is very old. You have been snared by something untrue. You are deluded, but this is good news. 
there is a flip side to your very painful envy of Michael Chang. Namely, Michael Chang's enjoyable feeling of being envied by Lamont Chu. No such animal. Animal? You burn with hunger for food that does not exist. This is good news? It is the truth. To be envied, admired, is not a feeling. Nor is fame a feeling. There are feelings associated with fame, but few of them are any more enjoyable than the feelings associated with envy of fame. The burning doesn't go away? What fire dies when you feed it? It is not fame itself they wish to deny you here. Trust them. There is much fear in fame. Terrible and heavy fear to be pulled and held, carried. Perhaps they only want to keep it off of you until you weigh enough to pull it towards yourself. Would I sound ungrateful if I said this doesn't make me feel very much better at all? Lamont, the truth is that the world is incredibly, incredibly, unbelievably old. You suffer with the stunted desire caused by one of its oldest lies. Do not believe the photographs. Fame is not the exit from any cage. So, I'm stuck in the cage from either side. Fame or tortured envy of fame. There's no way out. You might consider how escape from a cage must surely require foremost awareness of the fact of the cage. Whew. That communicates a lot to me. And keep in mind, this was written... 22 years ago, before, I mean, I, it wasn't before the internet, but it was certainly before the, the, you know, reality of MySpace or Facebook or the prevalence of social media. And I feel like all of this that you just endured, hopefully, and didn't skip over, communicates something that we're dealing with right now is just something has been built into the way that we operate in this present day that makes us crave and long for being seen by others, being affirmed by others, being um, not even necessarily rich, not necessarily famous, but that sort of affirmation that goes along with a double tap or a positive comment, or a retweet, or whatever it is. And this is nothing new that I'm saying. People have been saying this for several years and sort of noting it. And I'm, I'm not uh, going at this from the narrative of, from the idea of uh, we need to quit all these things right now and get offline. But it, it's just fascinating to me in the sense that it keeps becoming, it, it's just getting louder and louder, it seems like. There are more famous people than ever you know, you can be Instagram famous or YouTube famous. And just this kid, I know, I know you don't have a context for all of the book up to here and, and that's fine. There's no way around that except to read it. But this kid, Lamont Chu, he's burning with the desire to see his image in a magazine, the way that he has looked up to famous tennis stars in this case. You know, how different is that than any of us on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, maybe maybe you don't think about this. Maybe you don't struggle with this at all. Maybe it doesn't even occur to you. And if not, good. I sort of hope it doesn't. Um, but there's something, when we see it so frequently, we see things pop up of people that we admire, of things that they've made, 
or they're physically attractive or just they have notoriety or a following for whatever reason. And I mean, do you think the way that I do of, uh, I don't know if I envision myself in their place, but certainly I look at, you know, somebody with 127,000 likes and it's like, damn, that must on some level feel nice. But then very quickly, especially lately, um, it's like, well, wait a minute, that's, that's 127,000 human beings who are looking at you, who have some internal perception and opinion. A large chunk of those are creepy people who you would not want to know. And it's like, oh man, I, um, that doesn't sound good. That sounds real bad. And I think the other thing that it does that's that whole idea is probably not too unfamiliar, but the the longing to be in that place or the um, taking of action in in any given form, if you're a musician or an artist or a writer, filmmaker, anything creative, a photographer, whatever it may be, of recognizing that okay, these tools exist in our society. And I have seen others use them to the point of becoming famous, of making money, of, of having a lot of people follow what they do, so that then that becomes the orientation. And even if we say it isn't, or even if we say we're past it, or we're just making our art for art, um, unless you are making your shit in a warehouse and keeping it under black cloaks and just finishing a painting and covering it up immediately and never sharing it. I mean, I just, I, anyone who, who is on social media and says that they are sort of, um, immune to this sort of thing. I just, I don't think that's true. And the idea, why, why all of this feels dangerous to me or why it feels like getting away from something core in us as people is just that the goal is then this, this endless steeplechase of like the most, the most, all the things, the most followers, the most attention um, and, and feeling some false validation from that that I've made a thing. It's not good because it's a good thing that I worked hard on and that I'm proud of. It's a good thing because a quarter of a million people double tapped it while they were sitting on the toilet. Um, and by the way, you don't get to sort of experience any of those individual moments. Not that you'd want to be in the restroom with someone. I mean, uh, someone might be brought great joy from what you've made and you're never going to know about it. And then it's just sort of this anonymous number that's showing up on your social media account. I don't know. I just, I think people, I think, I think there are a number of people who are sort of bewitched by or seduced by um, that chase and that idea and letting that become the main thing of man, when I put out this next thing, it's going to be so big and I'm going to feel so good and all these people are going to affirm it. 
And then if it's less than what you would expect, then you have reason to feel crummy about yourself uh, because it's like, oh, well, maybe they didn't like it enough. Maybe I need to change what I'm doing. Maybe I need to shift who I am uh, to better suit the consumers, <laughs> which when you put it like that, um, that very quickly sounds pretty yucky. But it's just a fascinating idea. And I, I guess I'm talking about this because I myself am seduced by it. Um, even in all the ways I just described, I don't, I don't f um, r resonate with those quite so much as I did maybe two years ago, where I was uh, very caught up in that and distracted and not, uh, I've never had a big following of any kind, but um, I felt like a piece of shit for not having one. I felt like a piece of shit for having made things that I thought were good and, and frankly worthy of people's attention. Not everyone's, but I knew that there was a, a pocket of people who would appreciate it. And just the simple fact that I myself in my brain went, Josh, what you made is fucking dumb because it wasn't accepted out there in the world. And listen, if, if social media didn't exist, if we rewind 20 years and I had done the exact same thing, um, I don't know, I'm sure the perception would be different, but it's just like that, I'm, I'm saying that was an insecurity and an immaturity in me to, to be so insecure that all of my worth and value is held, has to be held up by people who do not know or care about me at all. You know, it's so silly. And yet that's what, that's what many of us um, are doing or have done. And listen, if you don't relate to any of this, if you're like, no, I've never done that once. Cool. Good for you. I'm talking to the people who have, I'm talking to the people who are doing it right now, who are doing maybe amazing work, but they're too concerned about how it's going to be perceived or they're too concerned about like how well it did or did not do. And I'm talking to the people who are making bullshit art that doesn't even feel right to them. It doesn't even feel like their style or their, their, the best that they can do. It feels like what's marketable or what's popular or following a trend. And there's plenty of people who are doing that that don't even realize, and they never will. They'll continue to follow trends and just make shit art that, okay, might be real popular, but it's just like getting down to the core of a person. If you're talented, which first of all, believe that you're rare. If you're talented, you're one of only few. I know it doesn't feel like that because we see all the people who are really good at things. But when you get down to the core of a person who has been dropped into this earth biologically through their mother, and that person happened to be built with some crazy gift or ability that a lot of the people around them cannot do. And when they grow up into adulthood or maturity or whatever it is, they choose to use that gift by, you know, doing something that feels wrong to them. But it's like, well, got to do this. Here's what's popular. Here's, here's what pays the bills. I, 
I feel like I've just wildly diverged and I'm getting mildly self-conscious about how often the weeds I am because I know that at the core of this, there's some good nugget of truth that I wanted to talk about and I've lost it a little bit. But here, listen, just at the core of this, I think it's that what this passage in Infinite Jest means to me that I, that I spent the time reading to you is just that this little boy in a tennis academy is longing for something that won't fill him. And this mentor, this guru is trying to tell him, essentially, you don't need to chase that because that is just as much of a cage as what you're in. And that in and of itself rings true for me because I have felt myself do that. I've, I've seen, I, I have done that. I've done that very thing. And it's not all surrounding social media. It's just, it, it can be just idolizing a person in life or thinking that they somehow have it better. Um, you know, like the classic thing of, is just that we always want something that's not in front of us and that I believe there is some value in just recognizing where we are, what we have, like having sort of trying to find or, or seek out or, or create a, um, an attitude of gratefulness, of just thankfulness, of, I don't know, being, being more content right where we are because we don't live in a culture that um, promotes that at all. It insists you're not happy until you have more things. I'm not going to go down some like consumerism, capitalism rant. This has been enough of a rant, but do you know what I'm saying? I just, at, at the core of it, I just want to be, um, I want to not idolize the guy in the magazine. And, and today magazine means, you know, our smartphones, but, um, I don't want to require anything of, of someone else or think, or think that my life experience would be improved by some arbitrary presentation in front of a lot of other humans and think that that would fill me with anything more than what I already have right here. Which is a great time to transition to our guest, Mr. Caleb Davis. Now, here's a guy who's doing good shit. But even he will tell you, I mean, I think, well, I'll let him speak for himself mostly, but I, th I think Caleb would agree with the statement of like five years ago, he would have idolized the position he's in. Maybe not idolized, but certainly envied it, desired it, thought it would be dope. And now he's in it and it is dope, but it also comes with a lot of baggage and, and difficulty and challenge and just, just as much tension and just as much push and pull as any, you know, f facet or season of life before. So I, <laughs> it's just like, it seems like our lives, uh, in a way, they're kind of all the same thing. I don't mean they're monotonous forever. Obviously, things change that are out of our control, but um, it's all learning. It's all growth, I think and advancing. And it's like, if we didn't, 
if we didn't go through conflict, if we didn't go through these challenges, life would be so uninteresting. Maybe I said that on a previous episode, but um, anyway, all this is good stuff because I just want to brush away some of the general discord and discontent and the sort of shit that just gets built up in us so much that we don't even realize why we're doing it anymore. And we perhaps, if you're like me, forget to even consider, like, why am I doing this? Why does this seem regular? Why am I... Anyway, let's talk to our friend. Let's talk to my friend, Caleb. He's soon to be your friend, but uh, maybe not. Maybe he won't be your friend. Maybe he'll just be interesting to listen to. Let's hear from Caleb. Yeah, dude. I, I'm glad you were willing to do this because you're you're one of those people who I'm always um, like kind of surprised that you still are willing to interact with me. <laughs> um, and, like I, I'm always fearful that you're going to reach a point where you decide you're too cool to talk to Josh Gaines anymore, which is a silly insecurity, but um, you never know. You never know. <laughs> It's, it's happened with other people, so you never know. But I, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here um, and willing to do this. Um, totally and so let's, let's roll back a little bit to the early days of me knowing you because you were a pretty different dude at, those, at that time. You know, I recall yeah. you and Josh, your brother, always you know, playing worship music, like multiple nights a week. And, you know, you were just these sweet guys who seemed to know a lot of people in Albuquerque. And just, I always got such a welcoming vibe from you two. Um, or, or inclusive is probably a better word that you guys were just really gracious and kind of down to include anyone in, in hanging out or conversing or whatever it may be which is not to say that you're not still largely that guy but just one could glean from social media alone that like you've taken some changes <laughs> so like yeah what is the last years i don't know how do you perceive yourself i know that's a weird question and the deep one to start with but i think you know what i mean hopefully yeah no, totally uh definitely have changed a ton since those days, I think, and in certain ways. But I still feel very much the same, I think, like when it comes to the heart of like, I guess, when, like just being inclusive or like being open and just going with the flow and kind of, you know, just being open for any kind of hangs with anyone for the most yeah. part. I still think I'm that person. Like, um, obviously the older you get, the more you realize how valuable your time is and you got to kind of pick and choose sometimes. Right. But, uh, um, I, I don't ever want to be that guy who's too cool to talk to Josh <laughs> Gaines, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like there's, there's, I mean, maybe if you like, we're literally not even doing anything creative. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, uh, I don't know. I just still see you very much like you, even though we like, I can't remember the last time we talked. Um, like, I know that you're constantly kind of like feeding yourself creatively or, and, and, and you have your own pursuits and like, 
you just have like a really good viewpoint and opinion and you're on top of things. And I just like respect who you are mm. as a human uh, and as, as we've both grown. So like, like had you maybe just stayed the same person, yeah. <laughs> maybe I would be an asshole and be like, Sorry, I don't have time for this. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, that's, I'm just trying to compliment you and I guess in a weird sure. way, but, um, yeah, I, I I guess to get back to what we were talking about, let me turn off my phone. Um, was just how do I guess I perceive myself? I don't know. I just I I still very much feel the same, like I'm the same type yeah. of person. Um, in a lot of a lot of a lot of ways. Um, I guess I just uh have changed mostly in in regards to just like uh I guess worth ethic, trying to be smarter with my time and as well as just um, kind of some faith stuff or like foundational stuff that, you know, you kind of grow up, which you would know since we kind of both had similar upbringings, Um, just kind of those things like switching, but still feel like my heart's in the right place when it comes to a lot of it and just being open um, to like not have this, uh, oppressive kind of religious viewpoint that really doesn't benefit anyone, Yeah, you know, unless you truly feel like you shouldn't be doing those things. But even if that's the case, you should still be 100% okay with everyone else doing it. You know? Right. So. Yes. It seems like there's been, I mean, at least among people our age, a shift in that, um, I mean, if, if you boil it down purely to just like our outward actions or, um, you know, things, things that are maybe petty to, to describe so specifically, but things like using alcohol or marijuana or cussing openly, or even just, I mean, talking about things that would have been taboo in the church, in our upbringing. I don't know. I just, I sense a sort of with with a lot of people like a cautious embracing of a lot of those things and realizing that jesus's grace extends even to those and that a a christian or one who claims christ doesn't have to look how i used to think they needed to um i know i'm being kind of generic here but it's interesting to me because there's some who um have sort of dove into that so far and deep that it's kind of like whoa where where'd you go man uh and and others are still so cautious and so pious that they don't want to maybe disappoint their parents or um other christians or something anyway i don't know where i'm going with this other than that i feel somewhere in the middle of having embraced certain things realizing that jesus is very much there and can still move and work through um a certain lifestyle or whatever it would be but um yeah what is your sort of perception on that yeah i would uh, i would agree with you uh for sure like i i definitely feel like uh i've been very cautious with anything that i've kind of ventured into albeit in the yeah. alcohol realm or weed realm or whatever you know you want to get into um i was definitely still 
like I had my first beer with you. Yeah, I remember that. And you didn't even really care for it much at the time. Or, yeah, it was just like, you, you know, know, growing up, <laughs> like, yeah, I was still very, maybe I was wild in certain, maybe in how I expressed myself, like my clothing or whatever, but still like, I'm not like, I was never that guy who's trying to sneak alcohol or did. I was very much by the rules, very much super cautious of a lot of things because of just how uh, my parents raised me and and so even like alcohol I didn't have my first drink till it was with you and it was the darkest mm-hmm. beer that we could find and it was when I was, <laughs> I was 21 and I was like well yeah man, I've been here about this hype for the last couple of years or in high school and now I'm finally doing it and you know eh, it's okay you know like I guess right. I, I guess I'm, I'm thankful like not everybody has the same upbringing and, and everybody you know, has a different way that they perceive things depending on, on those factors. But, uh, I, I guess I'm just, even though there's a part of me that like has rebelled or kind of gone against all those things that I was brought up with, uh, I'm still very thankful for them for the time. Um, that it's just, I guess I'm just, just thankful that I, I had that, um, discipline and, or maybe that I wasn't around, or giving into pressure or whatever, whatever it is. I'm, I'm just thankful because it kind of helped me to develop this like discipline or this, I guess, uh, just this viewpoint of like, don't rush into things <laughs> like those. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I'm phrasing that right, but, uh, I just like, you know, even like sure. weed, I didn't smoke it for the first time until like two years ago, like, or maybe three now. Um, right. But even though, like I'd been seeing people do it for years and years and been around it and just said, no, no, I'm good. And, and I think I'm thankful for that because maybe if, had I done it younger, I could have maybe kind of had a dependence on it. Uh, just in the sense of like, you know, people run to alcohol or food or whatever it is, um, when they're stressed or when they're depressed or whatever it is. And all I'm trying to get as I'm just thankful that I didn't dive into those things younger or earlier than I did because I feel like it really kind of primed me to just like not use them as crutches or escapes or whatever it is that I feel like, uh, that's just where it gets dangerous. Any of those things, like they're all fine in and of themselves, but when you start, um, choosing those things over, uh, (laughs) better life decisions, that's when, you know, things go downhill and and I'm just thankful that I'm, I'm kind of separated from that. I got that sense even with you as a younger guy, just that, I mean, I mean, I think it speaks to the quality of your parents that you just, you and Josh seemed really grounded and to have that foundation of, um, sort of wisdom and just discretion, you know, and, uh, that you knew what was, wise and appropriate and all that and um it's it's interesting i mean i i feel like i had a really similar upbringing and then once like i've i've been down that road of abusing both of those things um and kind of like i think because there was a period where and maybe i've said this to you before off microphone but just I I feel like I did not get my rebellion out, so to speak, in my high school years. I was such a little good boy until age 21 or 22. Mm -hmm. And then 
all of a sudden with a wife and child, you know, then this tension set in of like, shit, did I miss out on some experiences here? And then took that too far and, and have finally like reined it back and realized, okay, there's a reason, um, not to overdo these things because it just starts to, to degrade quality of life. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where I was going with that other than to just that I resonate with what you're saying. And, um, having moved out to Atlanta, uh, which was how long ago for you now? Uh, it'll be two years in June. So it's still a little, like a year and a half. Okay. Gotcha. Um, has it been, I mean, how has that been being so far from home and being to some degree, I would imagine isolated at least at first. And how, you know, how did that play into your growth and development, uh, just as a person? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, kind of just to back up and preface it a little bit, I guess I want, I want to say that I resonate with you too, with, even though I was just talking about oh, how I'm glad I was disciplined for so long. I didn't do these things earlier than other mm-hmm. people necessarily. Um, this is still like, I definitely didn't meet. I didn't mean if it came across that I've never like struggled with any of those things or like push them. Sure. So all that to say, yeah, I have yeah. definitely gone through my own like, okay, well, damn, that's why you don't drink that much or, you know, whatever yeah. it is. And uh, so all that to say, coming out to Atlanta, I feel like really kind of just uh, freed me up from any, uh, I guess, communal or societal what's the, what's the word like barriers, any other barriers I might've had mm-hmm. to certain things. Um, yeah, they were just gone because, you know, back in Albuquerque where we're both from, uh, we, you know, you know, everybody you've grown up, you have this family you have this community, even if you don't go to the same church, you're still seeing everyone out and about there. It's such a small city as well compared to Denver or Atlanta. So I just yeah. feel like, there's not really escaping unless you like really want to burn some bridges. And it just, I guess it depends on how <laughs> religious you are or, or your family is. Um, Cause some are more so than others, but you right. know, like totally just go off the deep end, but everybody's going to know and their brothers and yeah. sisters are going to know. And so yeah, yeah. I was like ever like, damn, I'm so bummed. I have all of this and I just want to be able to do whatever the fuck I want. It wasn't never, that was never my thought, but just like coming out here and then just all of a sudden not having that was like, whoa, like I can essentially just like present myself to anyone and, uh, you know, I could totally be a different person if I wanted to be. Not that that's ever been the case, but that's just kind of how it felt. And I was like, I mean, for the first like six months until I met anybody, I honestly didn't really go out too much. I would just buy a bunch of whiskey and come home from work and just literally be chugging straight from the bottle and just working on art, listening to music. Cause I didn't know what else to do. Um, yeah. it's not something I would have ever done in Albuquerque because there's friends, there's always something to do. And there's always that one friend, you know, like, even if there's nothing to do, there's always like that one friend that you've told last week that, yeah, I should probably, yeah, let's hang out. You know, it's like, 
Right. There's just so, so much of that community entrenched in everything that you do that um, it's kind of hard to, or at least I, that's how I felt. Like it was hard to ever like fully escape um, and, and yeah. have this kind of time and mental space to just do whatever the hell you wanted. So I don't know. It's been interesting. And I've definitely, you know, I probably live a lifestyle now that I don't know if I want to go fully into, but it's definitely not sure. like anything that I guess I'm just not going to be quick to tell my parents about any of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. Completely understand in. So I've al- along those lines, I've seen things here and there pop up on social media um, from you that communicate like some pretty rough moments. I mean, of, of sadness or loneliness or depression perhaps. Mm. And just sort of like this, I mean, I, I hope you don't mind me saying that. Um, Cause I, I feel like I've done the same thing where, what is that come out of you know and and is there a loneliness or has there been depression or Mm, that's a good question um so i don't i honestly i i i I do know that i can say that i have felt depression but Uh i don't i don't think i have it in the way that other people do that i don't know if you would consider yourself having um like legit depression or not. Um, Cause to me that like, I feel like if you have it and you've had it for a long time, it's a certain thing to you and you know it for sure that it's depression. But yeah. I just feel like I've been sad, but there's only been like a handful of times that I can think of where I've literally felt very, very like depressed. And in the sense where I guess in my mind, the difference between those were just like the depression was more so of a, I could literally feel like I want to kill myself kind of. Um, and and I don't feel bad about thinking about that. Um, and thankfully, you know, I haven't ever really been in too many places of that kind of mental space, but, so I don't know. I guess all that to say is I don't think I really have depression, but there's definitely, you know, we all have lonely times and very, I think I definitely deal with anxiety like way, way, way more than depression. Like I, I feel like I'm anxious every mm-hmm. single day. Um, and okay. I just learned to kind of channel that and like, and cause like when I, when I get anxious, like literally my go, like what I want to do is like, just like go masturbate <laughs> or like, yeah, like just not do anything that I should be doing, which is just like, like veg out on like Instagram for like an hour and a half. Like it's like doing the opposite of what I should be doing is, is how I handle anxiety and my low form. But, um, over the years, you know, getting better at like identifying, Oh, this is why, or like, this is what it is. It's just anxiety. And like being able to be like, okay, this, I'm just using it as a trigger to mentally just be like, okay, whatever I'm freaking out about, let me just break it down in whatever way I need to, whether it's like an art thing or a life thing or whatever it is. And just kind of like break it down into really, really, really tiny bite sizes instead of, cause that's usually what it is. It's just some like thing mentally that I get hung up on and it's like, looks way too big and I freak out. But, um, right. 
Um, I don't know. Sorry. I feel like I'm rambling now. Yeah, no, no, that's great. Um, and I like the, I'm glad you made the distinction or that you even recognize about yourself that it's not as much depression as it is anxiety. And, uh, I think that is, I mean, really prevalent lately, um, not to diminish your experience, but just that, um, we have these things, Instagram or porn or whatever it is that are, you know, immediate comfort and gratification. And so that there's something weird in our brain. That's just when we start feeling bad, it's like, I want comfort immediately. And I know like I, most people cognitively know what is best for them in that moment if they recognize it, but it's so easy to just go with like the junk food instead of something nutritious, uh, mentally, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I don't know. I think recognizing it, like you just talked about is half or more of, of the solution of just realizing like, okay, I'm feeling bad or like this is one of those moments that swelled into presence and like I can shoot it down or I can give into it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think the people, the folks that, um, chronically give in over and over that that leads to such, um, despair, I would say, or, or maybe even like a numbing of the mind to where you're so used to just, you know, going to the triggers, um, that it's like, you can't even remember what it's like to be emotionally healthy. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, I'm kind of just going on a rant cause these things are really interesting to me. Um, but, and I think, so, I think the way yeah, go ahead. you said that, like, uh, I just feel like I totally relate. Cause like, those are the times definitely like that I've felt very, very low or at, at some of my lowest or like, you know, I, for instance, like that one time where I just, I just tweeted crippling anxiety and like. I did. To, I told like, nobody interacts with my tweets ever. <laughs> so I was sure. honestly surprised um, <laughs> that both you and Levi, like both genuinely reached out to me and not even over Twitter, just like straight up texts. And I was just like that. Honestly, you have no idea how, how much that made me feel like just appreciated and loved because I mean, I talked to Levi way more than you, but still I wouldn't have expected that from him. And, mm. uh, and, and even so from you, um, it was, just, I don't know. I'm just, I was just super thankful. Um, and you know, I try not to even post stuff like that, but <laughs> moments, like, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm just thankful that, that I have people like you around, um, and Levi and, and yeah. Randy or Jonathan might've texted me, but they don't fall. They don't have Twitter. So, um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, for one thing, I'm so glad that that was meaningful to you. And I, I think I, uh, I, I reached out partly cause I recognized that sort of state of mind of like, okay, that feels familiar. <laughs> like I've, I've been there or I've said things like that. And, uh, I mean, shit, I just think sometimes we're so, um, 
unwilling to show our friends that we love them a lot like because that is vulnerable and kind of a risk and um but i don't know i just think in in moments like that I, i think there are so many people who are hurting in various ways and like in in some way whether it's petty or not uh saying something emotional on on social media is kind of a cry for uh, help or attention or, or at least to be acknowledged. Um, Mm -hmm. and I don't know, I just think it's important for us to like, to step up and just recognize those things and not let them pass. So anyway, um, no, totally. Well, and especially the way, uh, I feel like it's just sadly like a, a trendy thing to just talk about anxiety or depression or whatever it is. And, you know, in a way that's joking. Um, I feel like it's just, everyone's joking about it and it does help to laugh about it. You know, like I feel like it does to realize that it really is a silly thing, but at the same time, like all of those jokes and all of those things are coming from a real place. And I feel like it just kind of made this culture where it's like, if you can think of like, the most like the saddest thing but make it funny like you're gonna get a lot of likes and retweets or whatever and so then it kind of almost like breeds this like people are just trying to sink into that in a way that's not healthy just to come up with content and like yeah i even like think about that all the time like anytime i'm anxious i'm like how like what's a funny way and and it's like it doesn't start off where i'm just like trying to come up with a cool tweet i'm just like actually trying to like not be anxious and i'm thinking about and then all of a sudden i catch myself like almost tweeting something about it or like whatever trying to just like ultimately really they're they're just another cry for help but it's just like in a way that's supposed to be portrayed as oh i'm just joking um you know i don't know because I, it's just funny because usually, like, I, I, w- I probably would have at any other time if I wasn't as sad or anxious in that moment, I probably would have added, like, a lull to the end of it or some sort of, like, funny gif. But, like, right. I think I was just so fucking down. I was just, like, crippling anxiety, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. that's, uh, but uh, even then, I don't know. I get, we, we can move on from that. But it's just, it's just interesting because I, I do catch myself more frequently than I would like to just trying to like come up with something funny to say on Twitter when I'm like feeling anxious or like sad or whatever. Sure. <laughs> Instead of just like reaching out to someone or like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like, cause I don't even want to fucking feel it. So I'm like, maybe if I tweet about it, then I'll like stop feeling it or something. I don't know. It's weird. Things yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. No, I I'm with you and I've, I've been guilty of the same. Um, and I think, I mean, at, at least to some degree, the reason we turn there is is maybe because we don't have anybody to just talk to about it. I mean, I think that's all we're longing for in that moment, and it can feel uh, it can feel way overly dramatic to to text somebody when you're just like, "Listen, man, I feel like shit right now." I'm believing a lot of lies about myself and like pray for me or something. You know, I think we're getting, 
it's like we don't need to be too woke for that you know that's just some irony boy bullshit i i really think anyway I'm, i'm just sort of repeating what i said earlier but um it, it just communicates to me even even things like dank memes that are you know finding humor in the most fucked up facets of life um mm-hmm. it, it commun- you know the reason they get popular or go viral or whatever is because so many people recognize oh that hurts yeah. and i i have to laugh about it or otherwise it's too sad um totally. and so i don't know i just as long as I, I think there's a danger in in staying in the ironic realm all the time um, because that's that's very much sort of the attitude of Twitter these days in particular. And um, I don't know. I just don't like I, I can laugh at that stuff too, but uh, I just think it communicates something far bigger and more crucial. Um, so anyway. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on because I don't know where to go now. Um, how have you felt lately as an artist just in terms of one, having to produce creative things for your work, but just, you know, how do you balance that with projects of your own that you're excited about and how do you stay inspired and interested and challenged? Uh Hmm. That's a lot. Um, I feel like, well, for starters, I feel like I'm in, in the best place creatively that I have ever been. Um, even though there's still a whole nother levels out there that I wish I was. Um, but, uh, I feel, I don't know. I honestly feel so good about everything. I'm just thankful to be in a place right now where, um, I don't have the marriage or the kid or the dog or whatever it is to, to kind of like, even though those are all good things and there's a part of me that still desires and wants some of those things. Um, yeah, I'm just, you know, I'm not there right now. I don't have that. And, and it's not like I'm necessarily saying F it to all of those things, but, uh, I'm just really trying to just take advantage of the fact that I don't. And that, and because of that, I may or may not have more time to do other things. And so I really try to be a good steward of that in the sense of, you know, I feel like I'm not, I'm, I don't even have a TV in my place. So like, I don't watch TV ever. I'm not trying to like, like I come home and if I, I'm not going to go out and hang out with friends that I'm at home working on art or, or stimulating my artistic brain in some way, whether that's like just hanging out on Instagram or Pinterest or, you know, um, looking at some blogs or watching a documentary or whatever it is. Um, so, but, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I think the, the coolest thing for me and, and why I feel good is I've, I've had these opportunities to work alongside some, like some of my dream designers are like the ones that I've grown up looking up to like, like invisible creature for one. Um, you know, you know them, right? I do. Like Ryan Dong Kong. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, yeah, we both like grew up with all of their art in our face and on our walls and on our clothes. Um, specifically like he is a legend. I, I know that's like the one I feel like 
we both had similar music tastes growing up. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. For some reason, maybe it's because you did a cover um, when you used to play acoustic stuff, and you did Heath oh. Ledger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why anytime I I listen to them, you're the, always the first person that pops in my mind. Um, nice. But anyways, all I'm trying to get at is that uh, I've gotten to work with him uh, for Lecrae's last album, and just like yeah. getting his process and and like you know realizing like like seeing him in a le- more human form than the god form that i had him uh in my brain you know? <laughs> yeah yeah when you talk to someone like it's like oh shit like there's just this real person and his process isn't that whole a whole lot different than mine you know you you want to designs a a, a problem solving thing you know um kind of just get with the artist and figure out what the mood is what the i don't know i don't want to get in all that but it's just like all i'm trying to say is like uh i was just encouraged um seeing that i really wasn't too far off from yeah uh, people that i consider my my design idols and just knowing that they just have like you know more years and more clients under their belt and it's just a matter of continually working and and just pumping out work that is good and so um yeah i don't know i feel like i'm like did i answer your question i feel like there's yeah. more to that uh, yeah but, absolutely no that's good um and you and you feel you feel in i think you said the the best place of your life so far or so, something along those lines is that um do you think it's that you're leaning into the comfortability of like your your limits or um or is it that you're just really happy with the the art you're making that's a dumb way to phrase it i guess i'm trying to say like sometimes there can be almost an awakening as an artist of just realizing you don't have to hold yourself back anymore um Mm -hmm. and so i'm just curious like do you feel like you're making the best art of your life or that just like you're you're free and you're wide open or, or both. Uh, I, I do feel like I'm making some of the best art that I have. Um, yeah. Uh, I feel like every project is, is a growth in its own way. And, and I, and I totally understand now, like when you're a kid and you're listening to these, um, bands or artists and, and interviews and you hear them say like, you know, Oh, what's, what's your most favorite project or your most favorite album that you guys have ever written? And they're like, uh, you know, this like most recent one, <laughs> you, know, right. like, you know, you know that cause you, you've been, you know, you write and you, you write music as well. And it's just, I don't know. It really is like you grow and sure. Maybe that would might've been your hit back in the day, but you're not into that anymore. You've changed, you, you've grown. And so that, I, I definitely feel like even though there's work that sure that I've done that maybe in the moment, um, because of my, schedule or having so much on my plate um i kind of slacked a bit in and i may not be so proud of it like that definitely still happens sure um not something i would want to put in my portfolio but i try to you know make that never happen um and really put my all into everything that i'm currently working on and so um uh yeah i i forget where i was going with that um but yeah, I guess 
uh, I don't know. Your question was like, yeah, I just like, uh, uh, there's places I want to be and clients I really want to work with and art uh, different styles that I kind of wish I was doing more so, mm-hmm. um, than I am, but, uh, I'm just thankful for where I'm at and I got to use this, um, uh, the, you know, the place that I'm at and just continue forward into it. And, um, you know, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a good answer. And I'm, I'm glad you're there. Um, I think I, what, what I was trying to get to earlier is that like, I, I would never refer to myself as an artist, but I can do something that is uniquely mine and uh i think i don't know even within the past year it's like i've become specifically with drawing and painting or or even some small amount of of graphic design i just i've stopped feeling bad about what i can't do and and stopped comparing myself to amazing artists who do stuff that i could never fathom and just being like no I really enjoy what I can do and it's still unique because it's coming out of my brain and you know the like the majority of people might not look at what I've drawn and be like that's a great drawing that blows my mind but uh it's meaningful to me and and I know that there are people out there who would be like oh my gosh I could never have thought of that or um so mm-hmm. I I guess all that to say like I'm just realizing there's very little value in comparing oneself and um i don't know just kind of leaning into like i'm good at this and i really like it so i'll just keep doing that um even Mm -hmm. though i'm not aaron horky uh i you know we're we're different worlds and there doesn't need to be an artist competition um and there isn't one so yeah uh no i guess i was just gonna say i think I still do that a lot, honestly. <laughs> like, I still, like, it's this weird, like, simultaneous, like, oh, God, I'm not as good as all these people, and I wish I was just on their level, and I'm constantly comparing myself. But it's kind of, it pushes me in a way, and it, I don't feel like it's at a at any point where it's, like, hindering me to just make the work. That's the worst, is, like, when you just mm-hmm. are comparing, and then you're not even picking up the pencil. Yeah. But, like, I, I get paid to design every day, so... Like I have to do it. And so I guess, thankfully, maybe because of that, uh, it's like, I'm still, I'm just getting better. And, and, and even if it's like a project, I'm not like, I don't necessarily have like a specific vision for, or, or I get the freedom to do whatever the hell I want. Those are like opportunities for me, I guess, to just kind of like, uh, you know, make work that I, I, I would hope not copy or just or anything like that but just kind of be inspired by a certain thing that i got stoked on by another artist and kind of like make my own version of it and i guess that's just how all art is right i don't know but um all i guess i'm trying to say is that i I, i'm thankful that i it's not like a a thing i'm hung up on but but talking to some people recently i has really kind of it just made me realize that like I, I do, I guess some of the art that I, I do make or have been making recently still has been very highly influenced by like people that I would probably consider my peers. 
even though yeah. um, I'm not in their circle. Um, but and and it's just kind of like brought me to this realization that if if I want to be in their circles um, or on their level or at least acknowledged by them, I I really gotta like kind of let go of their influence on me and kind of mm. find an influence that's still you know they could still be in the radar but maybe just like i don't know i just got to do something new and different and kind of push myself in a way that's not influenced by people that are still alive right now at least for that matter i feel like i need to like reach further either further back or f- further into the future yeah and kind of like find something that may be uncomfortable you know because like that's where the that's where the new and the good art comes from and yeah. and not not like mimicking of people that are currently making stuff and you know there's certain lines to that there's like very very close like uh tracing copying whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it and that's no that's no good right. but i feel like i'm i'm thinking at this like comfortable level where i'm not like copying anybody but i'm still very much like I don't know. I'm just in a place where I want to challenge myself more to like dig into who I am and what my style is instead of like being so influenced by specifically people in the music industry that are designing packaging and stuff that I like look at, uh, look up. Um, because I, I don't know, I may never be acknowledged by them, but, um, uh, ultimately that doesn't matter it's just a matter of me I, I think i'll just be mad at myself i guess if i continue if i don't make any adjustments and i'm just chasing after them and uh i won't i don't think i'll be where i want to be if i continue doing that so i gotta i don't know i'm in the middle of it so i guess i'm just like i don't know how to like explain it sure. but i think you get what i'm saying yeah um, <laughs> yeah absolutely um i'm i might have asked you this you know, a year ago on Ink and Echo, but what is your tie right now to the art scene in Atlanta, if if at all? And do you even want to be a part of that? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm. I feel like I'm tied to the music scene, just okay. In the that you know, I'll see familiar faces here and there, um, and. Uh, <sighs> I'm just, I'm not where I would like to be in the art scene as in, in New Mexico, I used to go to all the first Fridays, you know, yeah. and like check out all the galleries and you know, you're going to see specific people around and you get excited about certain things. I don't know shit about <laughs> art gallery. <Yeah. laughs> like I, I remember, you know, I need to dig in my notes app because I was kind of buzzing, but enough to like start up a conversation with a random dude at a show because I just by myself because he had a dope shirt. And then I started asking him about art galleries and he seemed to know everything. Yeah. And he gave me all this info, but I never looked at it again. <laughs> okay. so now that in this conversation, you're it's, it's been brought to my, uh, my brain again. And I'm like, Oh shit, maybe I got to check that out and check out some art galleries. Cause I really would like to, be I, I love the fine art scene like that's yeah. that's what inspires me a lot I'm on my phone every fucking day 24 hours a day and i'm seeing all the digital stuff all the time right. and that's cool but it's just so rewarding to like get to see art in person and i guess i'm just not at that point like there's there's it's just um 
I guess that's why I like Atlanta though a lot is because I feel like in New Mexico, that's all there was. Yeah. And that's great. And it's, you know, it is what it is, but if you're not into that, then you're tough luck, you know, like you're sitting at home watching Netflix, I guess. Right. I don't know. But uh, like in Atlanta, there's just like, I'm, I still like, I feel like I'm very much in a creative scene. Like I have a ton of designer, photographer, um, musician, producer friends that I've made just from being at the label and from being out and about in the town. And I still very, feel very like in the community. Like I feel like I'm like, if I were to even, I've only been here a year and a half. Like I feel like if I left, I would be bummed and I would know that I, I made an impact on the scene that at least that I'm right, in. Right. Um, so it's like, I don't know. It's just different than I guess what I'm used to because in New Mexico, it was just like fine art, art gallery stuff. And here it's like, you can go to like a DJ thing and there's like a bunch of d- designers or you can go to um, like a paint or uh, like some art gallery uh, and like, you'll see a bunch of producers there. I don't know. It's just like a, a different kind of thing, right. but um, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, yeah. yeah. Right on. Yeah. It seems like you're in a good position. I mean, what would be at least at this point in time, what would be ideal to you or, or what would be something that you would find really exciting to have happen with your art, whether it be a, a sh- live show or a, you know, I'll just let you answer that. Goals, I guess for me, um, and these are kind of all over the place, but artistically speaking, I would love to do a mural at one yeah. point. Uh, I would love to uh, have my own solo gallery show with physical fine art, not digital anything yeah. at all. Um, those are something that are more of like, damn, that would be so cool to get back into that. But right now, ultimately in regards to just being able to live and make money doing what I, what I, uh, want to do, uh, my, main goal is to just redo my website and portfolio and get a lot more, uh, say a lot more no to no's to, uh, outside freelance work and do a lot more yes to my personal yeah. work and, and stuff that I'm really wanting to do, um, just so that I can pitch myself, um, you know, for other positions potentially at places. Totally. Um, doing bigger projects and yeah 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 <laughs> so that's kind of like the the, num- the number one goal but uh i guess if i were to just be like content with where i was at in the design world i'd probably pull back and and just uh focus a lot more on fine art and even music and producing if i could um but there's only so much <laughs> damn time in the yeah day, yeah so yeah that's dude i would love to see you have a gallery show i would be so excited for that um i already have like 10 full-on gallery pieces like like a whole show in my mind it's all planned out i just gotta take the time to like get the damn canvases (laughs) and paint (laughs) you've you've so these would be paintings or paint and ink or uh, definitely mixed media like i want to like, incorporate physical things like chain link fencing or like wire or wax and different stuff like that but ultimately it would be like kind of like a wood canvas um yeah 
with these things incorporated into them. Right. Um, I kind of want to go larger scale. Like yeah. I've been in a couple shows, um, just group shows and whatever. And they're always been just like, kind of like eight by 11 or a little bit bigger than that. And I really want to get like, like eight by five feet and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. if I could, so we'll see. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I, I don't know that I've ever seen anything of yours that was larger scale like that other than carpentry, which is kind of different, but, um, that, that would oh, be exciting. Yeah. Yeah, just the a, a huge canvas like that is to me daunting, but also kind of amazing. Like, like yeah, I just need to go ahead and figure out how to fill this space, um, as opposed to being intimidated by it. Yeah, and it definitely I feel like. Well, I don't know. I guess I'll just have to make the work. But <laughs> I feel like people who my design work will will like at least what I see and what I want to do will be kind of like a, a nice offshoot into the fine art realm of just like kind of graphic elements, but in like a physical form. Yeah. So, um, cause I, I definitely, all I'm trying to say is like when you said, yeah, it can be daunting to look at a big canvas. like, hell yeah. I don't not want to like sit on a big canvas, like trying to paint this perfect picture of like <laughs> a portrait or, or, or something like that. That sounds like the biggest nightmare right, in the world. Yeah. But something kind of like in the more abstract, uh, minimal, um, being able to, you know, fill up half of a damn canvas with like green paint or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, you should do it, dude. Just get on it. You, uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you, I saw the other day, it seems like you are still going to plenty of shows like music concerts, which I'm envious of. Um, so just I'm pleased to see that that you still make it out to so many. Yeah, man. That's like that's just the lifestyle for me right, right. now. I, you know, like uh I'm just so it's just, there's just so many shows that we miss growing up in New Mexico. Yeah. And I feel like that's another thing, like moving here and like just having the opportunity. I'm I'm not saving any damn money. <laughs> that's I mean <laughs> I'm not balling out. I'm just not saving money. (laughs) And I'm I'm living paycheck to paycheck because thankfully I'm still, you know, like I can, I can do that. Um, Otherwise I wouldn't be going to as many shows, but they have this thing out here. Oh, have I talked to you about it? It's called Jukely. Have you heard of it? No, no, no. I don't know if they have it in Denver or not. Um, You might have to look into it, but it's, it sounds cliche saying this, but it's the Netflix of, concerts because i feel like there's netflix for everything now you know but uh sure uh yeah like i literally pay 25 dollars a month and uh i get to go well it was unlimited shows but i think they just put a cap on it like four or five or something but even then like one show or two shows is 25 bucks or more um so it's it's like it's all those like kind of like the shows that are like oh, would be like twenty five bucks, but they're it's not like oh you're not as big as Father John Misty because that's like a fifty sixty dollar show, but you're like you know, right a little smaller and I like you, but I'm not gonna pay twenty five thirty five bucks. Yeah, it's like shows are the most that are on the app, so it's perfect for me because it just so that's that's I guess kind of like my secret. If I didn't have that app, I swear I would not be going to. <laughs> 
as okay. I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that sounds dope. I did not know about that, and I, I was just about to ask. I was like, does that include event center shows that are seventy five dollars a ticket? But clearly not. No. Um, but that's still very worth the money, even if you go to one or two. Um, this was a great talk, man. I'm really grateful that you came on, and uh, and and thank you for being the the sort of crash test dummy on the on the first show for as sure. I feel my way through it. Yeah, oh, um, man, I could like, so. totally go for so much longer. I feel like so it was cool. If you ever want to have me on again, let me know. <laughs> yeah, right on. All right. Thanks, dude. It was good talking to you. Yeah, no problem, man. Oh, that was a nice talk. That was a real, you know, doggone it. I wish Caleb Davis was in, per- I wish I was there in person with him in Atlanta, in hot Atlanta, Georgia, sitting on a, sitting on grandma's porch with a glass of lemonade in a rocking chair and just shooting the breeze, man. Shooting the ever loving breeze. Well, so listen. A lot of this show is me meandering out loud, trying to figure out how the fuck to live, just how to, how to survive and how to exist, how to be kind to people, how to get my brain to um, stay in one groove for a little while, right? So the front felt very scattered to me, and I think I'm going to leave it anyway. I feel self-conscious. I feel like that isn't what I wanted to say, but I'm just going with it because maybe there'll still be something in there that is of value to you. So to close by tradition, I'm going to read you a quote. It's far shorter than the infinite jest quote. Relax. Relax, you bitch. You need more literature in your life anyway, you little bitch. Okay, this is from, <laughs> this is from Thomas Merton. Nothing like Josh cracking himself up in his own garage, sitting under a heat lamp, sitting under a 125-watt heat lamp, like I'm the damn mystery meat at the hometown, hometown buffet. Yeah, go, go fix yourself a suicide Coke, man. Click on all the, all the Coke triggers till you get all the, all the different flavors in one, and you pretend you like it when you're a little kid, but you don't like it. Tastes gross. Tastes like, like orange vomit. But you like, gotta finish it. Gotta finish it, man. Gotta keep up appearances. Hey, there's there's cute, like, eight-year-old girl sitting over there, and I'm eight years old, too, so I'm like, I'm gonna show her how I'm gonna finish my suicide coke. And then she won't be impressed, and she'll leave with her family, and I'll know. Anyway, these are the sort of experiences. Okay, here's a quote from my man. My man who's dead, I never met him. Thomas Merton from the Seven Story Mountain. Woo! I never met him, but I still call him one of my teachers. You can think that's corny. I don't mind because he, he is and was. And we're going to play basketball beside the pearly gates. Here's a quote from the Seven Story Mountain. The grace of simplicity. It meant the innocence and liberty of soul that come to those who have thrown away all preoccupation with themselves and their own ideas, and judgments, and opinions, and desires, and are perfectly content to take things as they come to them from the hands of God. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Woo! I think maybe I do the woo thing too much. I don't mind. 
That quote, I love that. I mean, that goes in line with what we were talking about earlier, I feel like, with the infinite just thing, that yes, he's talking about a simplicity here, setting aside or throwing away all preoccupations with ourselves and our own ideas, judgments, opinions, and desires. Good luck with that. Good luck me with that. I can't go a a millisecond without thinking about one of those things, but the idea of, of brushing all those aside and you know, living in this mindset, in this existence of simplicity, which doesn't mean you're lazy or you stop working or stop trying or stop enjoying things, but it's just like laying out on the beach and, and being ready for a giant tsunami of whatever comes at you. But it's going to be, a well, hopefully like a benevolent kind tsunami of warmth and goodness. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's how I want to be that, you know, come what may, uh, just knowing that there is peace, even if that is incredible turmoil or pain or difficulty or challenge or incredible. Um, I almost said the word blessing. I don't want to say blessing, just good gifts, man. Good things happening. All that to say, just, yeah, that's, that's where I want to be as opposed to happy when things are going well and, and brooding and upset when shit happens and being surprised by that. So it's beautiful. Thank you, Thomas. Thanks, Thomas. I'll see you. I'll see you on the flip side, my man, though. I hope I don't die in the same way that you did stepping out of a bath in Thailand into an open electrical fuse, like in the bathwater, like a fan, a fan short circuited into wet bathwater on the tile floor and it electrocuted him and he died in Thailand. What? I mean, I, in, I mean, yeah, in a way I would rather that than be carried off to heaven in, in a chariot like Elijah or whoever that guy was. Um, because it's like, wow, dude, Thomas, I think you would, I think you would like that story of your death. Like it probably hurt, and I'm sorry about that. It's probably a real drag to die, but also it's like, hey, what a relief, man. Okay, time to get out of here. Thank you for listening to Texture. If you want to sponsor and support Texture, the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash texture pod, P-O-D, texture pod, and there you can get access to all kinds of tasty stuff. You can get bonus conversations. You can actually, you can just, just go take a peek at it. Okay. What that means is you like what I do and it helps you you giving a little tiny bit of your mammon just once a month helps this show do what it does. It helps Josh meander and maybe he's wandering off the trail for a while, but then he comes across a little nugget of gold and he's going to pick it up and give it to you through your ears and you're going to go duck on it, Josh. Someday you're going to, you're going to remember it and you're going to be like, wow. Josh, that down on texture. That's what we're here to do. 